to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're giving you the highlights of Big Sur, California. We actually tried to take this trip way back in 2017, but the week before we went, there was a huge storm and it caused massive landslides. And so it closed down the freeway and we couldn't go. And so we've been looking to go back ever since. And we finally had the chance to go New Year's weekend in January 2022. We have mentioned Big Sur so many times on this podcast talking about the scenic California Highway 1 up along the coast, the mountainous terrain, the redwoods, everything. We always say it's iconic and we're not just repping our own home state to say it. It absolutely is. Now, the stretch of Big Sur goes from the northern city area of Monterey all the way down to San Simeon, which if you don't know where San Simeon is, it's approximately kind of where Hearst Castle is, where William Randolph Hearst, at one point the richest man in the world, he built his luxury castle up on the hill overlooking, and that is the start and end point, or and vice versa, San Simeon to Monterey. Would you say that's central California? You know, I, and again, I'd like to consider myself a geography expert. I would even say Big Sur stretches a little bit further south and I would say starts at Pismo Beach area, quite honestly. But I may be in the minority in that opinion. (laughs) But I would call it Southern California, yes. Okay, okay. So I have been on parts of this trip. We alluded to the trip we attempted to take back in 2017. We actually did an episode on that way back in episode 11. We called it the not Big Sur road trip (laughs) because right before that trip, we're, you know, just so excited to hit this iconic Highway 1 road trip and weather had other plans for us, but we were able to see parts of it and the parts that I did get to see on that initial trip, gorgeous, absolutely stunning. Every picture you see is exactly what you see on this trip and you just don't want to miss it. I mean, I think people come from all around the world to see it. It's that iconic. It's an absolute must do. If you're not in California, it'd be a great trip to come out to see. So you hear the term Big Sur and you might be like, what is that exactly? And Big Sur is the longest and most scenic stretch of undeveloped coastline in the contiguous United States. And it runs about 90 miles long. So for that whole 90 miles, you get just these beautiful views of the coastline in no matter which direction you're driving, whether you're driving north or you're driving south, you're getting great views along the way. And it's not just flat, I'm driving along the coast and here's the ocean and here's the beach. I mean, these are dramatic sea cliffs, so nice and lush. And in certain areas, you go through forested redwood areas. So you just get these dramatic sea views with different inland views of the mountains, the redwoods, etc. So, so iconic, so beautiful. And there's amazing sights and iconic photo spots along the way. All right, so we love the tips. So let's start this episode off with some tips for visiting Big Sur. 
Well, you know, my number one tip is going to be to download offline maps. And that is because you may lose service in some parts of this area because it's undeveloped. And so you may not have good cell service. So it's really nice to have the maps downloaded for you so you can continue your route and not lose your way. My number one tip goes along with that one, and that is to check the weather. One, because the weather could impact your cell service, but two, because this area is notorious for road closures in the winter due to landslides. We experienced one of the worst ones they'd seen in years, but I think they happen pretty much every year. I mean, to go along with that, just like to inspire you even more to come, come now because at some point this road could close indefinitely because it is right on the edge of the cliff and it landslides every year. Yeah. And so when we talk about road closures, the landslide could take it out for just a day. And then Caltrans, which is our highway maintenance system here in California, they can clean it in a day. One time, the time that we tried to go, it was a crazy (laughs) winter and it was literally closed for months or a certain section of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, it's mountainous terrain. You only have so far that you can go before it would dead end and you'd have to turn around so many miles to go back inland and then around if you wanted to do it. So do check and make sure and see if there are road closures. That would definitely be a good tip also. We already mentioned this, uninhabited stretch of coastland. So if it's uninhabited, there's not really any place for you to stop and get snacks. So pack a cooler and have your snacks for this road trip. We will link our favorite collapsible cooler in our Amazon storefront so you guys can get that one. But it has come in clutch on this trip and so many others. Yes, and I guess keeping with that same theme of limited service, there's going to be limited gas service. So when Brittany and I did the full stretch, I mean, we've driven on parts of Highway 1 many times, but I think this was our first time really doing the full stretch. We went in January of 2022 here to start the new year. And, you know, gas in California was already expensive, but it wasn't like it was recently, you know, crazy, crazy expensive. So on average, it was what, about like four twenty-five a gallon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We found a gas station on here in the middle of nowhere, right along a sea cliff, and they were already charging like seven fifty, eight dollars. Oh and yeah. that's before. So now if in California gas average is five fifty, six dollars, what do you think that one location is? Oh so be God. sure to fill up and have a full tank before you start that Maybe stretch. Maybe even pack yourself a little to go gallon. <laughs> yeah, put your little uh five gallon tank in your trunk and just rock it with you just in case. So a lot of people will take this trip as a road trip from LA to Big Sur. There's a ton of people who will fly into LA. And Brittany, you were starting to say this earlier about airports. If you're coming to do this road trip from out of state, LAX is a great airport to fly into and take this trip from south to north. But if you're coming from north to south, what airport would you recommend? San Jose. I think that's the closest one that we can get to to do the stretch. Other than that, there's San Francisco or Oakland, but San Jose is going to be the closest airport to start this road trip. So being that Big Sur is in California, anytime is almost a good time to visit. Like Kim said, you do want to check the weather, make sure that there's no landslides going on, but pretty much you can go anytime. Peak season is April through October. So just be aware of that because that's going to be the busiest time to go. And then after November, the crowds are going to reduce dramatically. We decided to visit in January because we researched this and it stated that in the winter months, there's actually no haze above the ocean. And so you're going to get those more crisp, clear ocean views. And so that's why we decided to take the trip in January. And we actually had really lovely weather. 
I would definitely agree with Brittany on that statement. Now, January would be a good time because you don't want that haze. I mean, you want to see the beautiful blue that's sitting right out there for you on the ocean. However, if you go during the busier times, keep in mind, I mean, this is a windy, narrow mountain sea cliff road. If it's busy season and there's a lot of traffic, you could be going even slower. So it could take a really, really long time to get through uh, on that. So you can go two ways on this trip. You can start from the north and head down south, or a lot of people more go from the south to north. So taking this road trip from LA to Big Sur is very popular. We were obviously coming from San Diego to Big Sur on this road trip, but they're fairly close. So let's just take our listeners, everyone listening to us now on this road trip from LA to Big Sur. Where do we start? So we started in San Simeon, um, and this is really the start of Big Sur. And what was really awesome about this is we just randomly saw a sign for an elephant seal viewing area up up ahead. And we're like, well, you know, we're on the stretch. So why don't we go ahead and look at the viewing area? And while we were driving there, we actually saw five vultures sitting on a fence and so we stopped to get a better look at them and they were eating a huge animal carcass. Ew. It was so cool, Kim. Like if you're into <laughs> nature and all of that, it was so cool to see. And then they kept showing their wingspan and they were like taking turns eating it. It was really cool. And then we looked down the cliff and we could see some elephant seals lying on the beach. And then we saw that sign for the elephant seal viewing area up ahead. And we're like, yeah, we're definitely going to have to go and make the stop, which wasn't one of our original stops that we had intended even. Yeah. And we happened to actually be there during their nesting and little pup season. I mean, they had just given Aww. birth. So we saw babies and we're not talking just like seals, sea lions that you see like very common. We're talking elephant seals. They have their big hanging almost trunk of a nose on a sea creature. And it's actually really, really cool to see the way that they would actually move and roll around on the beach and seeing the little babies. It was really cool. But yes, you will also see seals and sea lions on the beach also but we happened to be there during the nesting season when they just had the little baby pups yeah and so the free viewing area there's a big parking lot and then there is a built-out boardwalk so you can walk along the beach in a sense you're walking above it on this boardwalk looking down at all of the elephant seals and seals and sea lions and everything beneath you and they're huge like they can reach 16 feet in length they weigh up to like 5,000 pounds they can be very aggressive during mating season and they fight for mates and so that can be super entertaining to watch we saw them like almost like bark at each other and then start to to get aggressive so that was really cool to see from the viewing point that you were at how many feet of distance would you say it is not very far I would say 10 tops Ooh. because like literally you're on this elevated deck and then right below it is the beach so some were just like right up on the sand of where you the sand ends and it's really just kind of the the land and rocks that are up until the boardwalk but very very close i mean really really close if you were feeling adventurous and i don't recommend doing this because it's illegal you could probably jump down touch it and jump right back onto the <laughs> deck if you wanted to so that's how close i would be afraid to do that i mean because they're so huge and then you can see the elephant seals all year round. But in January, April and October, there were up to 17,000 animals present on the beach. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's just, that is their beach. Their beach. 
can't swim, you can't get on the beach, it's theirs for sure. And this area is right next to Hearst Castle. So I talked about this a little bit earlier. If you haven't ever heard of Hearst Castle, just Google it. It's like the largest home ever built at one point in time. So many different rooms, opulence, the richest man in the world owned this at one point in time and the Hearst family is still very famous and rich to this day not as much as in the early 1900s no doubt but at the same time this is a very iconic spot to go in and visit Brittany and I did not do that because it was still closed due to COVID at this time. Yeah, but they are reopening it. And by the time this airs, it'll probably already have been reopened for tours. So the next stop on our road trip coming from LA was Julia Pfeiffer Burns State Park. And this state park is four square miles of gorgeous views of waterfalls, Redwood Grove, and of course, the coastal views. This is the exact point on our first attempt to do this road trip that was closed down. This is where the landslide happened. And the iconic thing to do in Julia Pfeiffer Burns State Park is to see McWay Falls. McWay Falls is an iconic waterfall that flows directly into the ocean, especially at high tide. During low tide, it flows onto the sand, which is super cool to see. But when it's high tide, it dumps directly into the ocean. You've asked this trivia question many a times, Brittany, so I know you know the answer. I'm going to ask you, Kim, real quick. Do you know what it is called when a waterfall flows directly into the ocean? Tide falls. Are you seeing it in the show notes, or did you just remember Brittany no, you've quizzing asked you this me, on a million you've asked times? Me before. I know, I know. Well, good. I'm glad you remember. So this is a very, very iconic picture. If you look up McWay Falls or Big Sur, this will probably be one of the pictures that shows up. Is this something you just pull over and see or is this something you have to hike to see so you can pull over and see it from the road and i would recommend doing that there is a parking lot that can take you on a trail but i've read that the views aren't much better it doesn't get you that much closer and then you also have to pay for parking okay so did you take an easy day and do the hike anyway No, we did not. (laughs) We literally pulled to the side of the road, took some photos and videos, enjoyed the view. um, And I feel like the views that we got, because we could see to the north and the south from where we were parked at. I don't know if you would have gotten that on the trail. So I feel like we really enjoyed the views that we had. I really enjoyed it. I mean, this falls is 80 feet high, dropping into the ocean. I mean, have you ever seen a waterfall literally go from the coast into the ocean directly? It's amazing. And, you know, I can't even believe Brittany didn't want to actually do the hike. (laughs) But when we pulled over to the side of the road and saw it, and then she put together like, yeah, with all my research, they say you don't get closer and the view isn't really any better. And actually, you know, from what I've seen of photos people have taken from the hike, I think the view from the road is actually better. So I wouldn't even recommend doing it unless you want to get in a few steps. And I know we're going to go through your whole road trip here and talk about all the iconic spots. But just from what I've experienced of this stretch of Big Sur, the iconic spots were off the road. Did you feel like that throughout the whole trip? Yeah, I really did. So it really is just a road trip with stops along it. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So it's good for all ages then. It is. It's 
very good for anyone, really. Like you can just stop and then get out, look, and get back in for the most part. And if you are feeling adventurous and want to do that trail, it's a 0.6-mile round trip, so approximately half a mile round trip. Getting real crazy out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for everyone that's tempted to go down to the beach, it's actually closed. You can't get down there. There is no trail to get down to the beach, so you can only see it from the trail or the road. And is this like Kauai where they say it's closed, but you can just do it anyway? No, it's really closed. Like, no one's down there. Why? I don't know. I think it's just protected and preserved. Ah. And, and the sea cliffs are just too dramatic. I mean, there's no way you can really shuffle yourself down there like we did in Kauai. Okay. They would have to like build a huge ladder or staircase that goes down to there. Okay. But also, the pictures don't really do it justice. Like you have they to never see do. it in person. Do the videos? No. <laughs> no. I mean, unless you highly edit it, but really what you see with your natural eye is what you're going to see the best. Like that's the best view. All right, Elon Musk, you need to invent a camera that captures what the eye can see. If Elon's listening, I hope he does it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey squaddies, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Travel Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey, squaddies, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian Island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you, so all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. 
And then after McWay Falls, what was your next stop? And how far along after that was it? So our next stop along the way was literally just three minutes away from McWay Falls, only two miles. And we went and did a little hike called the Parrington Cove Trail. And we, again, just park on the roadside. And this is a very short trail. It's only one mile round trip. And you go downhill and then there is going to be like a fork in the road. And there's three different ways to go because the trail is so short and it includes all three. You might as well do all three. So if you go to the very, very left, it splits and you see this really nice creek and it's a shaded area and just very scenic. You almost look like you're in a forest. And then you go back towards the fork and you you go down the middle trail and that will cross the Parrington Creek. You'll go through a tunnel and then it'll lead you to Parrington Point, which has really amazing ocean views. Yeah. And then the path to the extreme right goes to a beach of boulders. So, I mean, when we think of beaches, obviously we want to see nice sandy beaches, but here along the rugged California coast, we do have them, but there are far few and in between. Most of it is those big beach boulders, but this was actually a really, really cool spot. I love it a lot because that little creek that Brittany was talking about that runs through comes down to this beach of boulders so you can actually see I don't want to call it like a little mini waterfall or anything but you can actually see the water flowing from inland out to the ocean here along this boulder beach and it was really cool. Were you able to like step on the boulders and walk on them? Yeah you can literally walk on all of them until you get into the water. Ooh, Did you touch the water? I did. How yeah. was the temperature? Very chilly especially in January. <laughs> I feel like California water is cold anyways, mm -hmm. but in January, it's just like, ooh. Even here in Southern California. So you go up north along the coast and then just, I mean, we know this as Californians, plunge. it's cold. Yeah. For the non-Californians, yeah. Cold water out here. It's funny because I've talked to people who come from the East Coast, like New England, and they're like, this is fantastic. This water isn't cold. Oh, yeah. Well, in comparison <laughs> to New England, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. But, you know, perspective. that's very true. But if we're talking Bahamas and tropical, it's cold. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice to get out, stretch our legs a little bit more, get in that, getting get in a few more steps. And then from there, we drove north about 25 minutes to Pfeiffer Beach. And Pfeiffer Beach, you have to go down this very, very long, narrow one lane road. And eventually you'll just hit a pay station. So you do have to pay to park. At the time that we went, it was about $12. Pfeiffer Beach is part of the state park, correct, Brittany? No, I think it's part of the Los Padres National Forest. The National Forest. Okay, because I remember it was something, and now that you say that, that rings a bell, because we had our National Park Pass, and usually with National Forests, if they do charge an admission, you can use that to get in. So heads up, if you have your National Park Pass, you can't use it here, even though it is a National Forest, because where they charge you to park and pay that $12 is because it's on private land in that area. So the owners of that land, they have the parking lot, and then you can actually get to the beach. And this section of the beach and coast is actually sandy. But what is really, really cool about here is that they have this one famous spot that's called Keyhole Arch. And these are these rocks that are just right out into the surf, barely like real close to the beach. You can even in low tide walk to it, high tide swim to it, not very far. But during the right time of year, you can actually watch the sunset right through that little keyhole and opening. So it's a very big thing to do during the right time of year to see that. Did you happen to see the sunset? 
We did not, nor were we there during the right time of year. I think we missed it by what, a couple weeks or something? We were actually there, I think, during the right time of year. We just weren't there at sunset. Okay. I thought when we were having our conversations, like we missed it by like a couple weeks, but I I could be mistaken. But it was super beautiful nonetheless. But photographers flock here for Keyhole Arch during the winter months to see the sunset because it will go right through that keyhole and then just illuminate through. So I've seen the pictures, super beautiful. If you're a photographer and you're looking for a good scenic spot, that is definitely one. And then also we just kind of spent time walking along the beach and I was looking down at the sand and I was like, there's purple sand. Like where did this purple sand come from and why is it purple? And it's actually because there are manganese garnet deposits running down the hills And because of those deposits and the rain, it washes that color onto the sand and the shore. Okay, are we talking lavender, deep purple? I would say like a medium purple almost. Medium purple, like Barney? No. (laughs) Like Barney. (laughs) No, I wouldn't say Barney colors, but enough so you get a hue, but it's not like super bright. Ah, okay, okay. So you definitely do have to stop here at Pfeiffer Beach. I mean, I know it's unfortunate, paying for parking. I hate to do it, no doubt, but this is a really, really cool spot and one of the very few spots along the stretch of Big Sur where you will actually have sandy beaches. Question, if you were to be living on the edge and not pay for parking, is that even possible? And what are your chances of getting ticketed? I don't think it's very possible at all, Kim, because one, it is a narrow road down there. And because of the fact that it's a narrow road, you can't really park on it. Otherwise, you're blocking the traffic and you probably will be towed. Secondly, the stretch of the main highway one offshoot that you have to go to get to that windy road is so far and you're at the top of the hill and then now you're at the bottom, like you can't even walk. So for the paid area, though, do you have to like pay to get into it or you pay after you park? You pay to park. It's like you pay and then you park. And then you get in. Okay. Not saying I'm going to do it. Just want to give the listeners the info. I mean, the only other way is if you literally found the private property that's on that stretch and rented like an Airbnb there and then parked your car on that private property. Oh, that would be nice for someone that likes a little slower travel, staying a few days. Yeah, because we did see people do live on that road. It's just a very narrow road. So if any of those are up on Airbnb, I mean, there's definitely not hotels. You could stay there and then walk down instead. I know there is camping along this stretch as well. So what are the chances of camping somewhere and hiking to these spots? You know, I I did have a friend recently that was doing some camping in the area, but it seemed to be more inland, like in the Redwood Groves, not so coastal. So I feel like it might be a bit tough. Unless you're like an avid backpacker real crazy out there you get real wild out there if you wanted to i guess but uh, for the everyday person probably not but she did stay in the redwoods i don't know if there's any coastal campgrounds because that'd be really cool and then you might be able to hike to these areas last thing before we move on from pfeiffer beach i think this is a really cool spot and this is what we did to take out that portable cooler that we were talking about and actually have lunch out here on the beach Brittany and I did it. We saw tons of families and people visiting that were doing the same exact thing. So this is a good spot. Can you take me through the spread? Take you through the spread, Kim. Oh man, we always love to take through the spread. (laughs) It's been so long. I really don't remember, but I know we actually had some apples and peanut butter. Mm. I think we had some Southwest snack mix still available to us. And what else did we have, Brittany? I think we had like 
a sandwich or something that we picked up before. I don't really recall, Kim. You threw me with that one. If I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there as a TikToker. Oh, and by the way, we now have a TikTok at Travel Squad Podcast. Hit us up. We are moving and grooving. We have choreographed dances. Find us on the talk. Jamal's really excited about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but don't embarrass me like that. Kid. There is a grinder sandwich that's really trending on TikTok right now that I think would make the perfect sandwich to pack for something like this. Hmm, I can't wait to see what it is. I'm going to have to follow that trend and look that up. Hit us up on our TikTok and we will make it. We'll take it on a hike with us. So from Pfeiffer Beach, we then went up the road just about 15 minutes to Pfeiffer Falls. And this is actually located in Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park. And so this is different than Pfeiffer Beach area. So you also have to pay for parking here. And this is where they're really fucking you hard. Two parking fees within 10 minutes of each other? Yeah. Seriously. Well, I mean, again, at Pfeiffer Beach, it's private land. So the people who own the land are charging for you to even come onto their beach, I guess, at then at that point. And Pfeiffer Falls, there's a trail out here, but this is part of the state park. So because it's the state park, your $10 is your entrance fee into the park. They did say that once we paid that fee, we would have access to any other of the state parks for the rest of the day, but we didn't go into any other ones because we hit so many other things. You know, I feel like state parks really don't get the love they deserve. There are a lot of hidden gyms that are state parks that really don't get the recognition. And especially here in California, I'm just gonna rep California and say it, not even gonna lie, but absolutely, I agree with you on that one, Kim. Everyone always talks about the national parks, and we are mm-hmm. one of those peoples. Yeah, we need to give some love to our state parks, not just California, Texas, Nevada. We tried to attempt to go to that one in Texas, the diamond digging one. That one is in well, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, we need to do some state park love around here. Somebody just found a three-carat diamond in that state Damn. park in Arkansas, by the way. So next time we go out to Hot Springs from Dallas area or fly straight into Arkansas, we should really go out there. There's this state park in Arkansas. So since we're on the side tangent, I'm just going to continue on with it for a little bit. You can actually dig for diamonds. If you've ever seen an Arkansas state license plate, you'll notice there's a diamond on it, probably because there's a lot of natural diamonds around there. And you know what? You go there, you pay your fee. Maybe you'll find a diamond and the government is not taking it from you. And somebody just found a nice three carat out there. I was just going to wonder, does the government tax your findings? That's a good question. Probably so. But do they take <laughs> it from you? I don't think so. You I mean, keep it. the government taxes people who win gold and silver and bronze medals. Really? Yeah. You got to pay to bring that back to the U.S. What? Damn. That's yeah. crazy. Yep. So back to Pfeiffer Falls, we did a trail. It was not very long. It was like 1.3 miles and it was a short lollipop shaped hike around the Redwoods and we went clockwise. And so we ended up going up to the Valley View Trail first, got a very nice overlook of the valley and then proceeded to the waterfall. And the waterfall is about 60 feet tall, just cascading down which was really nice to see. Yeah, and you know, this year, California actually had an abnormally dry winter. I mean, that's been the theme as of late. But even if it was a good rainy winter, the waterfall itself, I'm not going to lie, you know, it leads you to one. You're not going to be impressed by it. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. But 60 I, feet. So, yeah, 60 feet. But, you know, I, it's still not very impressive. But I would say that this is a trail still worth doing because it takes you through the redwoods. The scenery around is cool, but the payoff of the waterfall, like, yeah, it's cool, but it's like, 
don't let yourself think that's going to be the highlight. The highlight is hiking through the redwoods. I love forests. I think that's my favorite of all the beach, mountain, blah, blah, blah. Forests are amazing. I'm just envisioning what the forest would smell like there. Mm. Smelt great. Smelt really nice. Smelt great. I love the smell of a forest too, Kim. And because we did this lollipop loop, we actually went back a different way. And so you have to go down this 70-foot pedestrian expansion bridge over the canyon. And that was really beautiful. I felt like that was the highlight of this hike because you're in the middle of the redwoods being able to see and enjoy all of that scenery. And that was my favorite part of this hike specifically. So moving on from the state park and Pfeiffer Falls, we went to maybe, and I shouldn't even say maybe, it is the most iconic spot on the Big Sur stretch of Highway 1, and that is going to be the Bigsby Creek Bridge. If you've never heard the name, I promise you, you've seen a photo of it before or seen it even in a movie that takes place in this area of California. It is that iconic, and I guarantee you you've seen it. So just Google it to confirm and get the visual of what it is that we're talking about now. We were able to see this one on our initial attempt back in 2017. And so we learned, and I think you guys probably followed this tip, when you're first arriving from south to north, you'll see a ton of people pulled over taking pictures. But that's not the most ideal spot to stop and take your picture. You want to go a little bit farther so you really can get the bridge and then the background of the mountains and the ocean behind you. Yes, absolutely. And so coming from south to north, it's kind of the first area that you see. And we actually knew coming up that we were getting close to Bixby Creek Bridge because that's where traffic started to hit. We didn't have traffic the entire way, but once we started to get close to Bixby Creek Bridge, it did start to slow down because people are trying to pull to the side to find parking, and that's where it was the busiest. And parking's very limited, so traffic may back up of people just sitting there parked waiting for somebody to leave, whether it be from they're coming from the north to south direction or they're leaving from south going north. So this area, just do know, can be very, very, very backed up and take a lot of of time to get through, but it is absolutely worth it to get out, take those photos. I agree. I think the photos of the bridge from the north side looking south are great. And there's even a little pull off where you can actually get behind the bridge itself and take the photos out into the ocean. And that is even really cool too. Would you say then that Bigsby Creek Bridge is the end of Big Sur? Technically, it is because you're not actually too far off from Monterey, which is the official ending. And I would say if you're driving Big Sur, you definitely have to spend a day in Monterey or at least, you know, part of the afternoon or evening or whatever time you arrive because Monterey is a great city. Lots of great food, lots of things to do. They have the world famous aquarium there, Cannery Row. And let me just tell you something, Kim. I know you're not a seafood person, but Brittany and I had the best calamari we've ever had in our lives when we were in Monterey. We didn't go to Cannery Row, which is one of the famous spots to go. We actually went to one of their little piers that they have, and we were debating like, oh, where are we going to eat? You know, we were looking at all the really good restaurants, and then we saw a sign that said, best calamari in Monterey voted 10 years in a row. And we're like, is this one of those things where people say it? Is it real? Is it not? So we're like, all right, they sold us. What do we have better to do? We can't decide. This decided for us. And it was prime time, really the best calamari I've ever had in my life. Not going to lie. I'll have to it. take your word for that. 
<laughs> I think you'd like it, Kim. I'm not even really going to lie. But from Bixby Creek Bridge to Monterey, it's only a 30-minute drive. And so it's definitely worth having dinner there, spending the night. We spent the night there. And when we checked into our hotel, we were hungry. And so we asked, where should we eat? And we were told, anywhere on the pier. And that's definitely true. Well, while we were walking the pier, we saw a ton of different restaurants everything looked good on the menus, everything smelled good. And so when we saw the calamari, that's what sold us. But everything we ate there that wasn't seafood was also really good. We had a pizza that had prosciutto on top. Mm-hmm. That was delicious. And so and we split a bottle of wine. Can you believe ooh. that, Kim? We were like, oh, let's get some wine. And we split a bottle. A little more thirsty. Well, you know, I've, I've always had it. You know, I think Brittany has more, I don't want to say developed a taste for alcohol because that's a bad thing, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess it's one of those things when you get older in life and the stresses of work and life, you learn to enjoy the drink. And I think mm-hmm. Brittany's at that, uh, level right now. So good for her. But yeah, we had a nice white wine and we keep talking about the calamari. I or I am at least, but we had it at the Abilonetti Bar and Grill. So if you go somewhere on the pier, that is the place to do it, and I would highly recommend it. I imagine good view since it was on the pier too. We actually ate inside. They had an outdoor section. Yes, but I mean, their pier area, you know, was kind of more in a little bay. It's not like a pier in San Francisco and you're looking at like a much larger bay or maybe like Mm -hmm. out to the ocean or anything like that. So it was nice, but not the type of views that you would think necessarily. And we were getting there like close to sunset and it was January. So being close to the water on the water, it got pretty chilly and we didn't want to sit outside. Okay. When you first took off from San Simeon, what time was it? Oh, that's a really good question. I would probably say eight. I would think so. I mean, you know us, Kim. We like to move a little bit early. I wouldn't say we left any later than eight. And if we left any earlier, it would be between the seven and eight hour. Mm -hmm. So even though it is... 90 miles again we didn't start in san simeon we started a little bit further south kind of like somewhere between pismo beach and santa barbara moro bay moro bay area yeah and we did have the stops along the way did those couple hikes stopped to see the views so by the time we got to monterey and showered at, from our hotel to go out to dinner it was just barely starting to be sunset so i would say then that puts you at like an eight hour day from san simeon to dinner on the pier Mm -hmm. correct because in january i mean sunsets around like yeah yeah, absolutely that's actually not that long if you are coming from la you really could do this not a day trip but definitely just a one overnighter yeah it's it's a saturday sunday weekend trip you leave saturday from la even and just spend the whole day going up the coast oh that's nice and then spending the night in monterey having a nice dinner and then enjoying your ride back the following day kim obviously you've been to monterey because it's not too far from Mm -hmm. our hometown have you ever been to the aquarium out there i have not I've gone to the aquarium in Monterey and like the San Diego Zoo is world famous for a zoo. The aquarium in Monterey is world famous for being an aquarium. And if you're there, you should go check it out. I've only gone once when I was a child, but I really, really want to go back. Just we didn't have the time when we were there. And by the time we were there, it was already closed for the day, but definitely worth doing. And that is near Cannery Row. And so we did walk Cannery Row. Kim, we wanted to go see if the restaurant we went to last time was still open and if your number was still on the board. (laughs) It was closed. Oh, that's It was closed down. I liked that restaurant a lot. It was good. It was a nice restaurant. So 
That was uh, sad to see. And we previously talked more about Monterey in that episode, the Not Big Sur, Big Sur road trip, which was way back in episode 11. So if you want to hear more about that adventure that we all took as a squad, go check that out. So on our way back down south, we decided not to drive the coast. We decided to drive inland because we wanted to stop specifically at Pinnacles National Park, which was a national park that we discovered on our last road trip because we couldn't do all of Big Sur. Mm -hmm. Um, So we wanted to stop there and do some hiking. And that was really awesome. But we're going to talk about Pinnacles in a different episode upcoming. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast so that you can always catch our newest episodes. All right, Kim, I think it is your favorite time of the week questions of the week and we actually have quite a few Brittany did a very nice job posting that we were going to be recording this episode today and so we got some questions coming in from instagram the first one that we got came from ryan from philly what's up ryan and ryan's asking What airport would you fly into to do this road trip? So if you are coming from the south and you're going to do this road trip south to north, then LAX is going to be the airport you're going to want to fly into. And you can start in LA and drive all the way up. If you are starting on the north end and you're driving south, then the closest airport you're going to fly into is the San Jose airport. I kind of think you should go south to north because I love the idea of driving the day and then spending the night in Monterey. I think if you did it the other way and spent the night in San Simeon, it'd be a little more underwhelming. You know, that's one way to look at it. However, I've also read from doing research is that going from north to south, you're always going to be on the right hand side. Mm. So you're always going to be closest to the ocean and the cliff views. That's true. And all of the stops, if you're going to stop, you could just pull to that side of the road instead of having to cross. To your point, though, Kim, like, yes, you're right about San Simeon. I, like I said, think that Big Sur stretch could be a little bit longer, but that's the official designation of what it is. But Morro Bay, where we had stayed the night before we started, is a little bit inland and actually not along the coast. You can stay and go further south along the coast and end in Santa Barbara, actually. So if you were to actually end in Santa Barbara and just continue that little stretch right there, that would be a less underwhelming place to stay and end in a pretty cool spot, as a matter of fact. That's very true. And then our second question coming from Roger is asking, are there any good vantage points to take pictures from? And is there a day or time that you'd recommend doing these? So we kind of mentioned it earlier, but Keyhole Arch at sunset during the winter months, that's going to be a really good place to take pictures from. And of course, the time of day is sunset, but pretty much while you're on this stretch, as long as you have sunlight, you're going to have really, really beautiful views. That being said, though, I think a common misconception for people that are not California natives are that when it starts to warm up, like May, June, everywhere else in the country is getting warmed for spring and summer, the coastal parts of California get very cloudy, gloomy, foggy. Mm -hmm. So May and June, I would probably avoid those. We have May gray and June gloom. That is for sure. It's actually one of my favorite times of the year here in San Diego when it's kind of overcast (laughs) like that. I got my little last stretch of uh, winter season going, but yeah, not conducive for a road trip along Big Sur. That is for sure. But kind of touching again a little bit more on the van 
vantage points and you know good spots just like we were saying about mcway falls i don't think the trail is necessarily needed to be done the good vantage point is from the road and we touched upon this about bixby bridge don't take the photos from the south be on the north side looking south on it and there is an area where you can be on the back side of the bridge and take photos too that's very unique that not a lot of people do so those are some of the best vantage points all right squaddies thank you so so much for tuning into our episode this week keep the adventures going with us by following us on all social media tiktok youtube instagram at travel squad podcast and send us in your questions of the week if you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just plain funny please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too and as always please subscribe rate and review our podcast and tune in every travel tuesday for new episodes Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, squaddies. Bye. Bye.